I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. I'm Barrett, and I'm going to read the scripture today. The scripture is Luke 11, 14 to 23. Now he was cast out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the one who had been mute spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Others to test him kept demanding from a sign from him a sign from heaven. But he knew what they were thinking and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself comes a desert, and house falls on house. And Satan also is divided against himself. How will his kingdom start stand? For you say that I cast out the demons by Beelzebul. Now if I cast out the demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your exorcists cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out the demons, and the kingdom of God has come to you. When a strong man fully armed guards his castle, his property is safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather me with scatters. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Sometimes we just know things. Maybe we're actual subject matter experts on a thing. Or maybe we just think we're subject matter experts. Or or maybe we've just done a lot of studying or had lots of experiences. And while we might not think we're experts, we do know that we know what we know. Take a moment and think about what these things are for you. Maybe it's related to your job, a computer program that you know really well, a balance sheet, how to get out of doing the dishes in the break room on a Friday afternoon. Or maybe it's related to your relationships, 
parenting, marriage, singleness, even divorce. Maybe it's related to your life, money management, money mismanagement. Or maybe it's related to your faith. You know what's right and, and you know what's wrong and you know who God is and who God isn't. What are the things that you know that you know what you know? Go ahead, type them into the chat. I'd love to see what our community knowledge looks like. Uh, for me, I would probably say something like school food regulations and how to do church in the middle of the chaos of young children. Those are some of the things that I know that I know what I know. What are your things? When the Hebrew people were enslaved in Egypt, Pharaoh knew that he knew what he knew. Their slavery kept him in power and there was just no other way to ensure that they wouldn't revolt against him except to keep them tired and afraid. And so when Moses came to tell him that the Lord said that it was time to let the Hebrew people go, Pharaoh knew that he knew what he knew and that there was no way he was going to go against what he knew that he knew. By the third plague, though, Pharaoh's advisors were already realizing that what they thought they knew was not what was. And they told Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. They urged him to, to move beyond his own understanding. But Exodus 8 verse 19 tells us that Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them. By the eighth plague, Pharaoh's advisors are pleading with him to, to listen to Moses and, and to let the Hebrew people go. Sign after sign after sign, and still Pharaoh refused to listen to Moses. He refused to listen to his own advisors. He refused to let go of what he knew that he knew. Well, you know how this story ends. God brings utter destruction to Egypt, and then at the Red Sea, utter destruction to, to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's army. Pharaoh knew that he knew what he knew, but he didn't know God. <laughs> but why are we talking about Moses, right? This is a sermon series about Satan, and our scripture today came from Luke, not Exodus. How can this story about Moses be connected to a scripture about Jesus exercising a demon? Well, like any of the stories about Jesus, we can't read them in a vacuum. Each of the gospel writers was, was trying to tell us something about who this Jesus was, who this Messiah was. And, and so we have to look at more than just what happens in the scripture, but what happens all around that scripture. And really, although today's scripture is from the Gospel of Luke, we need to wander through the story as it's told in Mark and in Matthew, too. 
In every instance of this story in the Gospels, it, it begins with Jesus surrounded by an incredible crowd, casting out a demon that is causing a man to be mute. This isn't the first of Jesus's exorcisms in any of the Gospels. By the time we get to this story, he's already dealt with a demon in a synagogue, uh, some number of pigs, and the Syrophoenician woman's daughter. And so really, the fact that it's another exorcism is sort of immaterial to the story. Jesus could have been doing pretty much anything at this point. It's really the reactions to what he's doing that matter. Luke says in the NSRV that after Jesus cast out the demon and the man who had been mute spoke, the crowds were amazed. In Greek, though, we'd more properly say that they were wondering at what they had seen and heard. They were amazed, but they were also asking questions and speculating on what they had seen and heard. They had seen people cast out demons before. This, this wasn't new to them, but Jesus wasn't quite like anyone they had ever seen or known before, and they weren't quite sure what to do with him. In Matthew's telling of this story, the people wonder aloud, could this be the son of David? Could this be the Messiah of prophecy? Could this be the Christ? But like any community, there were people here who knew what they knew what they knew. And when they heard the people wondering if this rabble rouser was the Messiah, they were quick to point out that not only was this Jesus guy not the Messiah, but actually they told the crowd, he's casting out demons in the name of Beelzebul, the prince of demons. They knew that they knew what they knew, and they were not all that thrilled to know that the Jewish people were starting to question what they knew. You see, in this text, Luke just tells us that the ones leveling this accusation were part of the crowd, a nameless, formless they. They said, they did, they thought. But Mark and Matthew are a little more pointed in their versions of this story. You see, before we get to this story in these Gospels, Jesus had already ruffled some feathers. The scribes and Mark and the Pharisees and Matthew. But when you see these, you can just read religious leaders. Well, they had been watching Jesus. In Matthew, they watched the disciples pick grain to eat because they were hungry. Aha! The Pharisees seem to almost shout there. They're breaking the law of the Sabbath. When I read Matthew in my mind, I hear Jesus sigh with exasperation a lot. And in Matthew chapter 12, verses 2 through 5, his exasperation with the Pharisees is it's palpable. But then Matthew and Mark tell a story of a man with a withered hand. 
sitting where you are today, this, this story might go a little over your head, but if you were a Jewish person in the first century, the Exodus story would be fundamental to your faith and you would hear withered hand and think about God and Moses. You see, when Moses was worried about whether or not the Hebrew people would believe that he was speaking to them on the behalf of God, God tells Moses that all he has to do is put his hand into his cloak, and when he pulls it out, it will be withered. Then, when he places his hand back into the cloak and pulls it out once more, it will be restored to its normal form. God tells Moses that the people will believe this sign. So Jesus is in the synagogue and meets a man with a withered hand. And Jesus can feel the eyes of the religious leaders on him. They're watching him closely. In Matthew, they even ask Jesus slyly, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They know that they know what they know about the law. And so instead of seeing a man who needs help, they see the letter of the law being broken. Their issue isn't that Jesus is healing people. Their issue is that Jesus is healing people outside the letter of their law. They're so intent on keeping the Sabbath holy that they've created 39 categories of activity that were prohibited on the Sabbath. In order to ensure that they can keep this one commandment, they've seemingly forgotten what Jesus says are the greatest of God's commandments, to love God and to love each other. In this story that, that calls to mind the sign of Moses, Mark tells us that Jesus was angry and grieved because the hearts of the Pharisees were hard. Like Pharaoh, they knew that they knew what they knew, but they didn't know God. And so Jesus heals the man. I mean, he's healed a lot of people and they all marvel at what he does saying, you are the son of David. And he's exercised a lot of demons who shout, you are the son of God. But while the blind, the deaf, and the demons all recognize who Jesus is, and, and while the Jewish people are even starting to wonder if maybe the deaf, blind, lame, and demon-possessed people are right, the religious leaders who are supposed to recognize the Messiah when he comes, well, they remain deaf and blind to what is happening all around them. They know that they know what they know. And sign after sign after sign, they still refuse to see or hear beyond what they know that they know. In Luke's gospel, after the exorcism of the demon, the, a Pharisee invites Jesus over for dinner. When Jesus joins those at the table, Luke says that the Pharisee wonders at how Jesus did not wash his hands before dinner. 
in this time of of pandemic, you might join this Pharisee in, in raising your eyebrows about Jesus's hygiene practices, but that's not what is happening here. I promise. Jesus instead doesn't do the customary Jewish hand-washing ritual, which had become a part of the law and was required before any meal containing bread. The ritual observer was supposed to say a prayer and use a cup to pour water over their hands a certain number of times. Rabbinic law was so strict on this topic that it required travelers to walk as far as two and a half miles to find water before eating a meal that that would contain bread. Meals in which foods might be dipped into liquid like honey or, or oil also required a hand washing ritual, but different schools of Judaism disagreed over whether the ritual was required if the fruit merely had wetness clinging to it. The Jewish people started with 10 commandments, which swelled to 613 mitzvot, which were then interpreted by religious leaders into innumerable halakha based upon religious customs, which outlined the way in which a holy person was supposed to live. Jesus ignores all of that and just sits down to eat. And the Pharisee raises an eyebrow and wonders about what is going on here? Uh, Jesus tells the Pharisee that while he might know that he knows what he knows, he doesn't know God. Uh, when the religious leaders and, and Mark and, and Matthew, the ones who make up the nebulous they in, in Luke's gospel, when they see God working, they're not astounded by what they see. Instead, they harumph that what they see is, is not following their interpretation of the law. The charge they levy unwittingly at God's feet is that God isn't following their rules. God isn't checking their boxes. God is outside of their law. Because for these religious leaders, if you are not within the law, if you are not within all of the law, then you're outside of the law. And the one outside of the law is not of God, but of Beelzebul, the prince of demons. They know that they know what they know, but they don't know God. Jesus tries to lay out this logical argument for why he cannot possibly be working with Beelzebul, the prince of demons, to cast out demons in order to convince those with the hardened hearts. And then in verse 20, he says to them, if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Remember Pharaoh's advisors? They told Pharaoh that what they were experiencing was the finger of God and that Pharaoh needed to listen to Moses. When Pharaoh didn't, the kingdom of God came to Pharaoh anyway. The finger of God is working here, Jesus says, and the kingdom of God has come. 
You know that you know what you know, but you don't know God. The religious leaders, they, they wanted a sign that, that Jesus was the Messiah. The deaf and blind called him Messiah. The demons shouted about his divine sonship whenever they saw him. Jesus healed the man with a shriveled hand. He raised people from the dead. He commanded demons to leave, and they did. He proclaimed the kingdom of God with his own authority. He gave them sign after sign after sign. He was the sign. But they knew that they knew what they knew. We can know something so well. We can know it inside out and, and outside in. We can know all of the tiny details of a thing, all of the nuances of, of how to make that thing work in just the right way. The religious leaders knew the law. They knew all the parts of the law. They could tell you exactly how far you could walk on the Sabbath and not be working. They could tell you exactly how much water to use and, and how to pour that water and how many times to pour that water and what type of grains required this kind of purification washing ritual. They could tell you all of that. But when it came to seeing God working in their midst, they were blind. When, when it came to hearing others proclaim Jesus as the Christ, they were deaf. And when it came to Jesus challenging them to look beyond their narrow interpretation of the law, they had Beelzebul in their hearts. They knew that they knew what they knew, but they didn't know God. In Luke, right before this story, Jesus is teaching about prayer. The NSRV titles this section, Perseverance in Prayer. Jesus says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And, and for everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Jesus is talking about prayer here, but he's also talking about the kingdom of God. If you ask, you receive. If, if you search, you find. If you knock, the door will be opened to you. But in order to ask, in order to search, and in order to knock, you have to first see. That means that, that sometimes when we think we know that we know what we know, we may not in fact know anything at all. We want God to follow our rules. We want God to check our boxes. We want God to fall inside what we think is our law. And when God doesn't do any of that, 
Instead of seeing how God is choosing to work in the world, we instead, like the religious leaders, harumph that what we see is is not following our human interpretation of the law. When, When we rely on the fact that we know that we know what we know, we will mistake our own sin for that which is holy and proper and just. And when our hearts become hardened, we might even mistake God for Beelzebul, the prince of demons. The wisdom of God is that blind men will see before wise men of the world understand. Do you know that you know what you know? Or do you know God? The finger of God is working in our midst. The kingdom of God has come. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, there are so many times in our lives where we are just so sure that we know that we know what we know. But when we listen to you, You turn what we know upside down and inside out. You don't conform to our law. Instead, you ask us to conform to your law. But we forget what that looks like. We forget what that means. We forget that we are not you. God, in this season of Lent, help us lean not on our own understanding, but turn to you so that we might see you working in us and through us and with us to transform this world, not into a glorious city of men, but into the kingdom of God. Help us remember that in those times where we are so sure that we know, that we know what we know, that you can still teach us and bring us beyond our own understanding and into your understanding so that we can be the people that you have called us to be, so that we can live our lives in a way that shows others who you are. Help us to see. Help us to be. And help us to know 
but we don't know all there is to know. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who taught us what it means to see you working in this world. Amen. Amen. Table of the Lord. There is